With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Ward, joined as always by my colleagues Jeremy Birmingham and Spencer Holbrook. It's our continuing series looking at the Ohio State Buckeyes staying or going with the NFL draft and what's that, what that means for the program as they head into uh, 2021 and look to defend that Big Ten crown and get back to the college football playoff. They will do it without one of the best offensive linemen that any of us have ever seen, Wyatt Davis, uh, declared again for the NFL draft. So not a surprise that this move happened. Everyone was expecting it when he opted out in September, came back in, uh, went through the senior day festivities. He was not going to take advantage of that last year available to him or the, or the COVID bonus year or any of that. Uh, you don't need to when you're an all-decade offensive guard, an all-American, uh, an absolute mauler, and a great personality off the field as well. Wyatt Davis earned the opportunity to move on. Nobody here is going to blame him for that. I'm going to blame him. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Um, no, I mean, uh, obviously, Wyatt is a kind of a fan favorite. He's one of our favorites on, on the media side. He's always been – he sort of was that next iteration of offensive linemen that, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to cover in the last decade. There's always one or two of the offensive linemen that are just genuinely great people to talk to on the record, off the record, uh, and then they also happen to be all, all-American all type football players. And, um, you know, for Wyatt um, – when he committed to Ohio state back in 2016, it was a huge win for the Buckeyes. And you just love to see that kind of development because he was obviously the number one ranked guard in the country coming out of high school and to leave as the number one guard in, in the college football, he did what he needed to do and the Buckeyes did what they needed to do. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really saying something for him to go wire to wire when you have those expectations and then to fulfill them, that's another matter entirely. That's, that's really not easy to do. Um, you know, you have to, you're constantly trying to prove yourself, uh, validate that lofty rating to stay number one all the way through. Uh, there's really something to be said for uh, the way he handles his business. Um, and that will also, you know, play in here. Spencer as part of his legacy. He's been in that room and he's worked with some guys, uh, showing them how to play with toughness, how to play through injuries, how to prepare for games. Um, you know, as we, as before we talk about who might fill those shoes, that might be the most important part. Uh, of the legacy that he leaves behind is setting that example over the last couple of years. Yeah. And you could tell throughout the season, he had some issues, whether it was his knee or, you know, there was, it seemed like every game he had some sort of uh, injury happen to him and he just kept fighting, kept fighting through it. You know, he fought for a season. Uh, he came back to play. He wasn't going to be denied of the opportunity to play in every game. Uh, my only issue is that we didn't get to see him in a full 13, 14 or 15 game schedule. Cause I wanted to hear how many knockdowns he would have accrued uh, <laughs> compared to Jonah Jackson from last year. But uh, yeah, he's been the rock. He's been very steady in this offensive line. You can always count on no matter what he was going to create a hole. There was no really doubt that whether you needed a yard or two yards, you should run behind number 52 because he was going to get you there. So I think replacing that is probably the hardest thing. And then that vocal leadership that he had, uh, you don't find that every day in a, in the number one guard in the country. Some, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get with an offensive lineman. They're either very outgoing or, or very, you know, inward. And I think he was as outgoing as you could be. And I think uh, that helped him in the leadership aspect of the game. So when we take this 
this absence and replacing Wyatt Davis, uh, it's it's probably tempting and, and smart to lump it in with Josh Myers, you know, just two of the, the best offensive linemen in the country, you know, a center and guard. Uh, we've already talked about Josh Myers and, and who are those options might be to play at center. But, you know, really, you know, Ohio State is ex- expecting now to have both of those tackles back with their Munford using that extra year. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer didn't, didn't uh, you know, post any NFL draft declaration uh, on Monday night. Uh, so clearly he didn't feel the need and, and is just going to be returning. But then you're going to have some movement. So Harry Miller, who started most of the season at guard, the likely move for him would be down to center. That's always been the plan. Um, so that would mean that those, all three of those spots in the interior, even if you have an experienced player like Miller, um, uh, relatively experienced player, all three of those spots are going to be new people. So looking at the interior line as a whole, that's kind of a, a big off-season task for Greg Stradrawa. It is, and you're, you're kind of just fortunate that this season went the way it did because you were forced to play so many offensive linemen over the last month and a half of the season for Ohio State that you probably wouldn't have in a normal year. You know, you would have played those guys in September, uh, and then as the season went along, they wouldn't have got the opportunity to get the real run against the, the Big Ten champs, you know, the Big Ten championship game, Clemson, Alabama. So you saw Matt Jones really step up and play well. Um, you saw Paris Johnson come in against Clemson and Alabama and have to play when, when Wyatt went down um, and when, when Harry Miller was out with uh, the COVID protocols. So, uh, and then you have guys like Luke Whipler, who I think are a really talented player that's going to be hard to keep off the field. Enoch Vamahi, who still questions about what he's going to do if he's going to be moving to defensive line because that's where he warmed up against Alabama for some reason. Um, there's a lot of movement, a lot of flexibility. The, guy, the Buckeyes did have six offensive linemen in the class of 2020, and only Paris Johnson really played from that group. So there's a whole bevy of them waiting, including guys like Brian Jacoby from 2019 class that are – waiting for their opportunity and hell, I mean, the guy that I think that we all sort of wrote off at the beginning of the year was Max Ray on the offensive line. And he stepped in and allowed the Buckeyes to start working Paris Johnson at guard. So there, there's this opportunity. Um, you know, the Buckeyes have made it a point to recruit versatile offensive linemen, guys that can play all five spots. I love Josh Fryer, for example, like he was a guy, a lot of the, you know, casual fans may not know about, but I think he's a player that is going to compete for uh, in the two deep as well. So, there's no shortage at the offensive line. When Ryan Day took over in 2019, that was the major question mark of, on the roster, and it was quickly addressed, and now you have really a, a ton of, of really good young talent that's waiting to play. Yeah, that, that's a fascinating sort of mix that they have there because you have multiple guys who could all play center there with, with Miller, uh, Matthew Jones or Whipler, um, you know, Paris Johnson. If somebody were to go down at, at left or right tackle, you have to assume – that he would kick right out there. He's he's just too good to be on the sideline. So if it has to be at guard, you can understand why Ohio State would start him there with the intention that he could play multiple spots. The same, uh, maybe to a lesser extent, is true with Dewan Jones with with right. his versatility. Um, you know, I think it's hard sometimes to imagine somebody with his size just operating at guard and how mountainous and difficult that might be for the next quarterback to see over those guys uh, in front of him, but. That tells you, again, to your point, Berm, about the versatility, what Ohio State could do. Um, you know, those are talented athletic tackles, but um, you don't want to just leave them on the sideline. And that's not a position where you like to rotate because chemistry is so important. Um, you're not going to sub in and out on a drive. So you're trying to pick the best five. Uh, 
that seems a little easier for them to do attack, but then what do you use the, that talent and how does it work out? Like March and April aren't going to really tell that tale. This thing will go, I think, all the way into August. I think it's the best problem to have that both the tackles decided to come back because now you've got to shuffle guys in and out, figure out where these guys go. And I think the constant in this room is, like Berm said, there's no shortage of talent. It went from a room that Urban Meyer used to categorize as dangerously thin to now one of the strongest units on the field. And no matter who you put in there, it seems like there's at least two or three guys you could plug in at any spot on this offensive line and feel really confident. Uh, you know, rolling into a game and, and racking up two or 300 rushing yards. And I think that is just an incredible feat for this offensive line. I, I do think the versatility that Paris Johnson was able to show, uh, you know, Matthew Jones having some experience, you know, guard, center, what, whatever he could do. Berm talked about Josh Fryer. I'm looking at Luke Whipler. I think he could have a huge impact in this offensive line room. Um, I just think he's too smart, too cerebral, and too talented to keep off the field. I think it's going to be hard to keep him off the field, but it's also going to be hard to find a spot for him on the field. And I think uh, they have their hands full this offseason, but it's a really good problem to have. It's kind of funny how this works because we all get uh, – it's it's human nature to you know, pay attention to the new guys, the shiny uh, toys that arrive and, and, you know, touted freshmen and all that. And that, that used to be Matthew Jones. I mean, they, he was uh, a four-star, maybe not as high highly recruited as, as Whipler or Harry Miller, but certainly up there and was expected to be the – or projected, I believe, Berm as the number one center in the country at that point. I think maybe it was three or four years in a row where Ohio State signed the top-ranked center according to those rankings. You know, playing offensive line is hard, is, is much harder than, than Wyatt Davis might make it look. And, and normally you need some time. So go, Matthew Jones goes into, you know, junior year in the program, hadn't really had that opportunity. You kind of forget about him. You're thinking, well, who else could fill that void? I mean, he stepped up in a major way in two games, uh, those – Michigan State, uh, and then going out there on short notice, relatively short notice in the Sugar Bowl and grading as a champion in both of those games at guard, those were incredibly important performances, and they can also be springboards for him heading into spring camp. Yeah, I mean, it's with apologies to the tailbacks who have already disparaged in our previous video. Uh, the offensive line is the hardest position to prepare for and, and to adjust to and as you go into college and beyond. And it takes years. It's, it's not a position where players should play as a freshman or in most cases at a place like Ohio State where you don't want them to play as freshmen or sophomores. You want them to have time to learn all of the different protections to get their bodies physically ready because you're dealing with, you know, you're playing against the biggest of the big. Um, and, and so it should take two or three years to get a guy ready. And you even see it in a, like Nick Petit-Frere, who is, in my opinion, the best right tackle in the Big Ten uh, this last year. Uh, he's a guy – I'm sorry, left tackle in the Big Ten. He's a guy that just – whatever tackle – what position did he play? Right, he left, played right everywhere. tackle, Burham, yeah. Right he, tackle. Yeah, my their, brain is – Their monster is on the left side. They also call that the blind side. Okay, so here's the deal. See, we're on Zoom, right? So everything is backwards for me. So got this it. is my yeah. right – you're, right. you're looking at it from the defensive perspective. Right. I got you. Right. And so those are two of the best tackles in, in, in the Big Ten. And it took Nick Petit-Frere – three years to become good. And he was the number one ranked offensive tackle coming out of high school. Yeah. So um, it, it takes time. And you just hope that as a coaching staff, these players with the free transfer rule coming and all that stuff that they, that they trust in it enough to let that time come and develop. And I think that that's something that applies here to Harry Miller in a different way. He got on the field, you know, probably before he was fully ready because Ohio state needed him to play guard. He, he played well. I don't think any, you know, he, 
He had some holding penalties that we all know about um, in the game when he had to play center. Uh, when Josh Myers was out, it wasn't perfect. But, you know, you're going to go through some growing pains. And we've seen that before with Ohio State guys who didn't have two or three years to develop the way that a, a Nicholas Petit-Ferrer might have. You know, just ask Billy Price. Uh, Burm, I know you have multiple times about the, the feedback he received early in his career, or Pat Elfline. Like, you know, you're not ready to play, you know, big boy football on the offensive line just with the 12 or 13 or 14 months and, and Harry Miller didn't get that spring and didn't get all those reps. Like this is still a guy who is a five-star for a reason uh, and extremely intelligent. And he will grow from that experience. If, if he, you know, if he handles it the right way, which I assume that we will, it's not easy. Nobody likes to be criticized. Um, and it, you certainly don't want to make sweeping assessments of a sophomore when you can still get better, just like Billy Price or Pat Offline or any of these other guys did by the end of their careers. I think Harry Miller has a chance to become, you know, uh, among that category if he puts in the work and takes the criticism the right way, because Billy Price and Pat Elfline obviously took the criticism, ran with it and made themselves into Remington Trophy winners. I think, I think Harry Miller has that in him if he takes it the right way. Everything we've seen from him shows that he can take it the right way, and I think he will, and I think he's going to grow from it and become one of the best centers in the country if he wins the center job, and if not, he could be the best guard in the country. You know, It's a kind of interchangeable with him because he's so versatile on the interior there. The reason that Harry played as much as he did this past year, despite obviously having some challenges, I mean, the Michigan State game, that I, I'm not going to put that on him at all. I mean, you get told midweek you're going to play center, all of a sudden things get a little spooky. Um, you know, he's playing because the coaches trust him and because of his intelligence and his ability to process and to to, to make adjustments on the fly. You, you aren't going to be perfect. And in a group where you have four of the best offensive linemen in the country – in Petit Frere and, and Thayer Munford and Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis. It's sort of like someone has to be the worst of that group, right? And it's not it's necessarily like – man. Right. Somebody has to be um, not – Somebody has to I'm be saying. Joey Fatone. Right. Somebody has to be Joey Fatone. And that doesn't right? mean that he – that doesn't mean he has to be Joey Fatone forever, okay? It just means that in a, when you're being – comparison is the thief of joy, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here, Okay. Harry Miller would have been a starter at any other program in the Big Ten all year long and would have been their best offensive lineman. And that's just the fact. So uh, maybe it stood out a little bit for this offensive line because everyone else was playing at a really, really high level. And he's the guy that's just learning how to play college football. So I, I, I guess I would implore people to take a deep breath and let a guy get a full year of development and, and you know, in a normal season and see where things go. Because he's a really good player. Let's hope it gets back to normal. There's going to be a fascinating, interesting, competitive year coming for Ohio State on the interior of the offensive line uh, with Wyatt Davis officially uh, and staying in the NFL draft this time. Uh, and Josh Meyer is gone as well at center, breaking it down uh, with Berm and Spencer Holbrook, all the comings and goings for the Ohio State roster and a uh, busy key offseason for the Big Ten champions. Uh, for those two guys, I'm Austin Ward. We'll see you next time with full coverage of the Ohio State Buckeyes at LettermanRow.com.